Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below. And let's get straight into into it. So welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Damien Carter of Leash GA TV to run through the weekend's hurling action from the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. I suppose two incredible games, Damien. Obviously, the Cork and Kilkenny game was um, you know, one of the games of the year, probably one of the games of the decade. But I suppose, first of all, how's, uh, how's life for yourself? Yeah, all good. All good. As you said, how could you complain after the standard of hurling that we've seen this weekend? Uh Two brilliant games and both for different kind of reasons. The other, as you said, the Kilkenny Cork game gave us everything. Um, but also the like the, the performance of Limerick at the weekend was just phenomenal as well. So I really enjoyed two games, I have to say, at the weekend. So a very happy hurling man this weekend. Yeah, like and it's it's hard to even digest it all and, and take it all in and, and it's hard to even know where to start, like even looking at the Cork Kilgenny game because I mean there was just there was so much going on all over the pitch there was late goals there was drama points you know over 70 scores in, in total like you know I mean incredible stuff from from both teams Unbelievable like and you know if you wanted an advertisement for hurling that's it like you know as you said it had absolutely everything it had the late goals the drama the comeback the missed freeze um, it just had everything it was, it was a joy to watch I've seen uh, a few people commenting to both vegan saying that the greatest game in the world and only was only we know about it which I think is a good way of putting it as well yeah absolutely like and obviously yeah it was Cork 137 Kilkenny 132 and I suppose like for many people like kind of looking on, on Twitter and whatnot and obviously they were saying on the Sunday game last night as well like it seemed like maybe this Cork team kind of came of age in, in that victory because you know you have a lot of young lads in the team obviously likes of Jack O'Connor and Shane Barra, who's come into the side, Tim O'Mahony's come into the side recently as well. And it just seemed like their way of hurling and their style really kind of came to the fore in, in that victory. It did, definitely, yeah. And, you know, Kilkenny, they, they were really struggling with it. They couldn't handle the, the youth and intensity, I suppose, that Cork brought to it. Uh, Mark Coleman there as well, you know, at the centre-back was, you know, we kind of nearly called him one of the older heads on it now. But he, it was unbelievable at centre-back. Um you know, there was who was I think John Donnelly was started off on him and and maybe Martin Keown came in and Martin Keown was taken off then again it just shows you kind of the 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 impact that he had on the game but as you said that Cork the Cork team came of age um and not just you know we talk about the team and you know we say oh it's there's no cliche throwing that you know it's now a twenty man game but definitely when you look at the impact of the bench and I think and that's really where it was won and lost was the impact of the bench because you look at Cork they brought on six possibly seven substitutes there and you know all of them gave big big performances when they came onto the field whereas you look at Kilkenny you know I think maybe five maybe six substitutes and you know no impact whatsoever Walter Welch Richie Hogan uh, James Bergen had a goal chance but didn't take it I said Martin Keown came on taken off again so you know the bench really really um, strong for Cork and that'll be a big impact going into the, the All-Ireland final against Limerick in two weeks' time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I see, like, it definitely was a huge difference. And I suppose with the fact that you've got Cork bringing on, 
you know, young lads normally like bringing on Alan Connolly and obviously Shane Barrow was normally coming off the bench in, in previous games, got the, the nod in this game. Whereas Kilkenny seemed to be bringing on, you know, the older lads in, in Richie Hogan and, and Walter Welsh. Like, so it did seem that maybe Cork's youth was uh, a big difference in, in this win as well. Definitely so. Like, and you can see there, you know, even, even though Kilkenny got the goal to equalise in the last minute, you know, you still fancied Cork that if they could lift their their spirits, that they were still they were going to run them off the field because they had the legs, they had that freshness, they had a better quality on the bench, and it proved evident in the end. Um, and I think that was even justified by the goal by Jack O'Connor. They, you know, the, the ball kind of over the top and the speed of him and even the bravery of him getting that ball at that stage of the match. You know, first thing in his head was put the head down and go and go for goal. He could have easily took that ball, tipped it over the bar and been happy enough to, to jog back out. But no, he kind of got the bit between his teeth, seeing the, the goal chance created and went for it and it paid, paid off for him as well. Yeah, 100%. Like definitely, you know, Jack O'Connor has been exceptional so far this year and definitely in all-star hurling form of the year, no doubt about it. Shane Kingston coming off the bench. I mean, obviously when your old lad drops you like coming into the game, he, he definitely had a point to prove and I'm sure it was a lot said at the dinner table later that evening. Definitely, yeah, but sure, you know, I suppose the trump cards uh, is that I suppose that he played so well when he came on, you know, um, and, you know, I'm sure his father will be telling him that that was all in the, in the game plan and that was that was pre, pre-medicated before the game even started. But, you know, the, the debate now, I suppose, will be for next week or two will be, you know, should he start the other in the final? Um, and, you know, like, it, it, there's two, I suppose, there's two ways of looking at it. The, the first way is that his performance is unbelievable and that he has to start the Ireland final. And then the second thing is that, you know, he was that good coming off the bench that, you know, if Cork were struggling and needed an injection of pace or power coming on, that he'd be the man, you know, to, to spring on the attack. And if they were struggling to, to bring him back into a game. But if I was, I suppose, if I was Shane Kingston, I'd be definitely saying, you know, I've done enough to start and I want a, a, a jersey from 1 to 15 going into that game. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, like to, to come off the bench and, and hit one of those performances, like seven points and in, in total, like nothing short of, of remarkable, really. Like, in the yeah, F, like, a, like what you said before, like it would be a big sort of risk you'd have to imagine to, to not start a player in, in that form. Because, like, when he's been playing as good as that, like, come, you know, coming off the bench, I mean, surely he's got to, got to start like with a performance like that. Because, you know, if you think he's doing that coming off the bench, you know, and he carries that form going into the Limerick game and Cork start really well. But like what you said as well, there is that contradiction as well where maybe kind of late on in the second half, maybe Cork are struggling. Maybe Shane Barrett and Alan Connolly won't bring the the same sort of trek coming off. But, you know, but even even they've shown as well, even in, you know, in the league as well at different stages against the Dubs as well, that they, they do have like all, like it's not just Shane Kingston there. Like they've all sorts of options coming off the bench really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just going back, I suppose, to, to the Shane Kingston point, I, my own personal opinion on it would be that he has to start the final because, you know, I, I think if Limerick get a foothold on the game, I would actually worry for Cork. And I know that's strange given the performance they had yesterday, but, you know, when you when you put into perspective, we talk about a great game and all that, you know, we're talking about Kenny kind of being an aging team as well and, you know, maybe on the decline a small bit. And, you know, they still took this great Cork team to extra time and, you know... Cork kind of dispatched by five points in the end, but you know Limerick are a different a different animal than that Kilkenny team, and I'd I'd worry for Cork that if Limerick get a foothold of the game, that they won't let up, they'll push on and they'll drive it on. Um, that's why I think Shane Kingston has to start because 
you know, I don't think it'd be any good being seven points down or five points down and next thing springing on Kingston at that stage of the game because I said, once Limerick get a hold of that game, they won't let it up and they'll have a plan for Kingston coming on as well. So I do think he needs to start um, and drive it on. But as you said as well, they have, you know, Alan Cadigan came on there, had a superb game. Um, Damien Cahillan, even who would have been a regular a few years ago, came on and top played very well. Alan Connolly, as you talked about, Declan Dalton came on there near the end, scored an unbelievable point from out near near the line. I'd say when he got the ball and he was lining up to shoot, you could nearly see a few lads on the line going, oh no, what are you doing? What are you doing? And next thing, you know, followed straight away by, yes. So it was one of them moments that, you know, I've had to go, why do you want to be shouting at him to, you know, a crazy shot from the sideline, but when I went over the bar, it was an unbelievable point. But, you know, there's lads that are putting up their hand for, you know, for, if not a start, definitely an all-earned appearance and, you know, they'll, they'll do themselves no justice in that way. Yeah, like, and obviously when they conceded that late goal right at the end as well, like, it almost must have felt like, like, to be honest, I was surprised that they came back and won. I really felt that Kilkenny were going to push on from there and win the game because he had a Patrick Horgan, 65, just a few minutes earlier. He put a wide... You know, if that goes over, then the game would have been won. Like Kilkenny weren't getting two attacks. They got the one they ended up actually kind of getting two attacks in the end because obviously Timo Mahoney got caught, you know, coming out with the ball and, and Kilkenny worked it into Adrian Mullen, who who put it into the back of the net. But I suppose for Cork, like considering they've been down that kind of rabbit hole before against Limerick in, in 2018, like to find that kind of inner resolve and strength within themselves to, to brush it off and come back an extra time. Like that's probably one of the more impressive things about this victory for Cork. Definitely. 100% agree. You know, the mental strength they showed there um, coming out in, in that um, extra time, because I think even Kenny got the first point of that extra time, but Cork then pushed on. And as you said, Pa Horgan, when, when straight away, when the referee blew up the final whistle, you could see the Kenny lads, jogged it on into the dressing room. It, it, the camera flew over to uh, Pat Horgan. And next thing, you know, he was down in these hunkers. He looked dejected. Um, it, when the game started back up, I think he had another, another kind of handy enough free by his standards. He had wide as well. And I was thinking, oh God, his head's gone, you know. But the, the mental strength and courage that he showed, not only him, but the rest of them as well, to to get it back on board and to get it back on track and to to book the Allard final um, place was just unbelievable. Yeah, like, and I mean, definitely like to, to find that resolve and, and strength and obviously Jack O'Connor getting that goal as well. Like definitely probably the the engine was there. Like, do you think with Kilkenny, it was just a case of maybe themselves fading a bit, the fact that maybe they do have a lot of aging players in there. I know they've brought through some some young lads as well, obviously in the in the past couple of years, but it did seem like in the in the second or in, in extra time in particular that they just faded quite a bit with the fact that they probably do have a, a more aging squad than, than Cork without doubt anyways. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think I think the worry for Kenny is that they're bringing a few, they're bringing through some of these good young players, but they're not bringing through these superstars that they were bringing through. Like we're we're used to seeing DJ Carey coming along, Henry Shefflin coming along, um, Kevin Power came along there a few years ago, a youngster that was unbelievable, uh, had a follow with Cody and never never got picked again. You know, and next thing you had TJ coming through, and that superstar was always kind of somewhere down the line. I don't see that. Like Adrian Mullen is very good. Billy Ryan is very good. But, you know, can they bring it to that next level? I don't think so. I think that's what's lagging. That's what's worrying in Kilkenny. I was down, I watched their under 20s there a few weeks ago. Uh, Leash played him down in Nolan Park and Leash ran him fairly well. But again, you know, Kilkenny, I think, won by three points. But they had no superstar on that 
they had one lad corner forward, a Gilfoy lad, um, who was who was good and you know maybe maybe very good, but did no superstar coming through, and that's one thing I suppose I'd worry about Kenny that they're an aging team and that they've no kind of key player coming through. Yeah, like and I was surprised even that Liam Blanchfield. I thought he would have been maybe you know a player to come off the bench. Didn't come off the bench in the, in the Dublin game in the Leinster final, which I, I thought was surprising. I thought he would have at least given him five or ten minutes, considering the game was kind of wrapped up at that point, and didn't come off the bench as well in the uh, in, in the game versus Cork. So like he, even that was kind of surprising as well. Like there were some options maybe on the bench that he wasn't going for, and maybe he was being too loyal to Richie Hogue and Walter Walsh and whatnot. Yeah, like I, I'm good friends with that from Blanchfield's club there, um, down Kenny Bennett's Bridge, and he was telling me that you know, and it's back to this whole legendary kind of you know, the Kenny training sessions and the the firing the ball is thrown in, and it's just hell for letter for for thirty minutes, and if you're not performing in them training sessions, you don't get the nod, and as good and all as Blanchfield is, he wasn't seemingly performing well in these training matches, and. You know, Cody stands by now. You know, if you're not going well in them matches, he won't give you the nod. And I suppose, as you said, he kind of went with the tried and trusted. Um, even if they weren't doing as well as maybe should be, he kind of hoped, I suppose, that they would bring something different. Um, Walter Welch, you know, I've been very disappointed with him last year too. You know, I came on the scene a few years ago, showed huge ambition, huge potential. But, you know, it seems to be kind of lads haven't figured out now. They know what he's going to do. And I think that, that showed there even by Coleman's you know, the first flick that he got through, you know, it was literally just stay with him, stay with him, wait till he throws with the ball and the flick away. And the second one, the big hit, the big shoulder on him, which Walter's not used to. Um, but, you know, I think, I think I, 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 I'd be harsh by saying, you know, a one-trick pony, but I do think lads haven't kind of figured out and he's a bit easier to mark than, than years gone by. And maybe a different role is needed for him. Maybe something like, you know, the, going back to Kieran Donaghy, when lads saw he was finished, you know, and sticking him in on the edge of the box and having a game plan for him, maybe something like that is needed down with Kenny. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think that's even what they were saying on an RTE, like Henry Shefflin and JJ Delaney, they were kind of saying, like, maybe Kenny needs to try something different and maybe push TJ Reid further up the pitch or, or just try something different because it did seem that the game plan that they were working in particular, although, like, they did find a way to, to come back into it with that dramatic late goal, like even an extra time as well. The, the the same game plan they were playing just didn't seem to be to be working at all. No, it didn't. And you know, I, I suppose it's 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 kind of a different one to call because you, you stick with your tried and trusted for so long and it works to so to such a rate, you know, wh- when do you change it? I suppose. And in hindsight, I suppose it's easy to say he should have changed it, but I suppose he felt, Cody felt that you know, it was after this game plan was after getting him back into the game. He made a few changes, hoping that that would kind of up the performance again. But unfortunately for Kenny, it dwindled out and they, they fell at the final hurdle. Yeah, and just bringing it back to Cork for a moment, obviously we'll, we'll discuss Limerick a little bit like later on. But, you know, how would you think, how do you reckon they'll fare going up against Cork? Because obviously their style and, and Limerick style will certainly be fairly interesting. And I've seen a stat on Twitter like where Cork won 80% of their, of their own puckouts, which I thought was very interesting. Like clearly you know, from working a short and, and picking out players on the wings, like it does seem to be to be working very well. And I suppose that'll be something very interesting for Limerick to, to try and figure out and counteract kind of going into that All-Ireland final. Yeah, and I can guarantee you the stat that you come back from the All-Ireland final definitely won't be 80% on, on their own book because Limerick will be a different kettle of fish. They'll have that well figured out. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd go on 15 and 15. You know, Kenny kind of, 
let off the two cornerbacks, which made it easy for Patrick Collins to pick out a man. You know, he went to the, the halfbacks a good few times, but there was always a man kind of there waiting for it. But I'm surprised that Kenny allowed kind of that freedom of the puck out um, actually on Sunday and to the de- to their detriment, really, because the, the damage that was done from them puck outs was serious. And you say 80% of their own puck outs won. If you can win 80% of your own puck outs, you're, you're on uh, crest of a wave trying to win that game. Like, you know, so I, I can't see that being happening again um, in two weeks' time. Uh, Limerick, I definitely think they're a different animal altogether. Um, and, you know, if I was to call it now, uh, closer to time now, it might be easier to know who's in and who's out. But if I was to call it now, I'd say Limerick probably, maybe not comfortable, but maybe by six, seven points, maybe. I think they're that far ahead. Um, even this Cork team, you know, they are very good and they're they're young and they're fit and they're fast. But the experience of the old heads with the the talent and the quality that Limerick have, um, I think they'll they'll be able to push on and claim another All Ireland. And do you think even this is almost like bonus territory in many ways for for Cork? I mean, getting to this All Ireland final because I think a lot of people didn't really expect Cork to get to an All Ireland final. You know, at the start of the year, when you look at it last year, their only championship win was against Dublin. Um, and I think a lot of people would have had your Waterfords, Galway, you know, Kilkenny, um, you know, Tipperary as potential teams to go and beat Limerick. I don't think many people would have expected Cork to, to be the team to play Limerick in an all Ireland final. So, like with the with the under 20s coming through as well, obviously won the, the delayed 2020 under 20 final, they're in the 2021 one as well. So, I mean, it, it is bonus ter- territory in many ways, it seems, for, for Cork going into this one. It is, yeah. And, you know, uh without blowing me on trouble now, but I work with a man from Limerick, John Kwan is his name. Um, and I was talking to him last year, actually, and we were talking about the hurling. And I actually said, I fancied Cork coming in the next year or two. And next thing you know, as the, the, the championship last year happened, and you said they only had one win, that was again Dublin. They were very poor. But the thing that I was kind of waiting to see and was talking to him about was that this Cork team are very much so a summer hurling team. And you know the championship format last year, the winter hurling, the wet, um, the, the tough conditions definitely doesn't suit a Cork team. So putting that into perspective, I think that will have a big bearing on the match even two weeks' time. I think, you know, if, if it's if it's a nice summer's hot day, I think it will suit um Cork better. But if we see kind of any bit of cold spell or a bit of uh, rain coming in, I think Limerick will, will have the, the power and the, the precision to drive it over the line to claim victory. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine Limerick are certainly going in as favourites and I'd fancy them as well, no doubt about it. I suppose just touching on Kilkenny again briefly, like obviously a lot of discussion as always once Kilkenny are knocked out of the championship about Brian Cody and whether he stays on or whether he keeps going for another 10 years or maybe he just keeps going on forever. But what's your take on it? Do you think he will stay for, for another while yet or do you think maybe this is, I suppose, the, the final swan song of what's been, a, I suppose, an unbelievable managerial career for Brian Cody? Yeah, no, I don't think he, I. I don't think he's he will step down. I think I think he'll stay there as as long as he can. And I don't think the Kilkenny County Board will get rid of me there due to the fact that if what he's done for Kilkenny in the past 20, 22 years. But you know, you look at and I don't want to be a comparison to soccer, but you look at the whole Arsene Wenger thing, and you know, some fans calling for him out. Next thing you see the whole collapse of it, and you see what a job he was doing. Um, so I, I can see that like. You know, people are saying, kind of, is he getting the most out of Kilkenny? And I definitely think he is, like, because I, I don't think any other manager in Ireland, probably at the moment, could have even got this Kilkenny squad uh, that close to an All Ireland final. You know, they're 
you know, to draw an honor in a semi-final um, with the squad that he has, with the aging squad, with the kind of, you know, they're kind of dependent on TJ way too much. Like, and if TJ doesn't fire, and we seen yesterday, like they got 13 points, one from play, like, you know, that's that's not good enough. It's not good enough from TJ standard. It's not good enough for Kenny to, to win a game by just holding him. So Cork had their homework done on TJ, but definitely I, I do think Cody will stay on. I think he'll, he'll you know, he'll be hoping that a few people, a few more 21s come true and that a few fresh players come true and that he can and, you know, maybe he'll want to leave on a high and maybe leave with another in the final, but it's going to be hard next few years. But then again, would you put it past Cody? Probably not. Yeah, like, may- like maybe that's what he's waiting for, but I'd agree with you as well. Like I think over the past three years, you know, even going back to the 2019 victory over over Limerick, which was a huge win for Kilkenny at the time and winning two Leinster titles in a row, one of them beating a very fancied Galway team. So, I mean, definitely like I think he, he has evolved the team a bit as well. Like they've even changed their style at different stages this year as well. Like definitely more short hand pass and like the, the, they can revert back to type, but it does certainly seem like he is trying to build something there as crazy as it sounds because he's been there for so long. Yeah, definitely. So, and, you know, maybe you kind of hit the nail on the head there when, when you say that, you know, he, he, did, he has he's trying up different things and maybe that's why he needs. He needs a kind of a new backroom team maybe coming in next year with fresh ideas. Um, and, and maybe a few different game plans uh, to drive this Kilkenny team forward if they can but I'd imagine over the next week or two you're going to see a few uh, retirements as well from that Kilkenny squad Yeah like you could definitely imagine probably one or two stepping away and yeah like it, it is kind of mad as well like when you do see you know because I've seen a few different Kilkenny supporters on, on Twitter and whatnot, and even I, some of them probably not even Kilkenny supporters but saying you know maybe Brian Cody should go and step down and all the rest like it does seem like I know you were kind of making the Arsene Wenger comparison there but like considering like this man's won 11 All-Ireland 17 Leinster titles like surely it's going to be on his own back that he steps down like I think it would be be absolute madness really if the Kilkenny board stepped in and, and and told them to go considering that actually over the past two or three years it hasn't even been that bad like it's not like they're not getting out of Leinster or being knocked out in the early rounds of the qualifiers like they're still there thereabouts yeah no definitely like I have a lot of friends down Kilkenny and like he, he is the god of Kilkenny down there within the county board like you know so if, if he leaves it'll 100% be on his own terms Um, but the county board 100% won't ask him or won't say it's maybe it's time to step away because they said he's the god down there and you know and as you said like you know there's so 17 Leinster titles and all are in a semi-final defeat in extra time again you know things are not like Kilkenny are used to winning all are and it's fair enough but it's not as if you know, they're being beaten by weaker counties or anything like that. They're still destroying teams. They're still putting in good performances. And he's definitely getting the most out of this bunch of players that he can. Yeah, like, and I suppose the hard thing for, for Kilkenny, I suppose, is to see how they bridge the gap on the likes of your Limericks and, you know, even Cork, who've got a tremendous underage you know, teams coming through at the moment, like we were saying earlier, Tipperary have got good underage players, Galway do as well. But for Kilkenny, like it's been 2008 since they last won a under 20 All Ireland, 2014 since they won a an All Ireland at minor level. Obviously, you know, going back to 2015 since the seniors won one as well. Um, you know, and I know they're in a couple of finals at under 20 level in the past couple of years, but generally speaking, like the same underage players doesn't quite seem to be there for Kilkenny compared with some of the other bigger counties. Yeah, and I like I'm struggling to figure out why that is because their system is so good down there. Um, their underage system is is you know top of top of the country, top of the class, I should say. 
Um, you know, the, the work that they put in um, with club level, the, the structures that they have for their own senior championships down there, like it's second to none. It's it's absolutely brilliant what they're doing down there. And I'm, I'm just surprised that it, there is. But, you know, sometimes you need that kind of crop of players to come through and no one Kilkenny as well. They're probably not too far away either. There could be an under 14 or under 13 team coming there that, you know, we don't know about that they're going to, to blow things away in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, they always seem to have talent coming through and, and players coming through. So you certainly wouldn't rule it out. And obviously plenty of success at a club level as well with Ballyhale and, and throughout the entirety of the Kilkenny Senior Championship. And obviously they only have one, you know, they, they only have to pick from hurling. It's not like they football to compete with or anything like that. So I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll, they'll push on over the next couple of years. I suppose Limerick, I mean, they obviously beat Waterford 125 to 17 points. Um, I suppose Limerick just doing what they do best in, in this game. Yeah, like again, like I said at the start, I really enjoyed the two games and for different reasons, like the, the competition I suppose in the game we just talked about between Cork and Kenny, but the performance of Limerick I thought was just unbelievable. You know, Waterford brought this intensity to the first 17 minutes up to the first water break and, you know, again, in hindsight, it wasn't sustainable. Like it was unbelievable the, the intensity they are bringing, the blocks they were putting in, the hits they were putting in and, you know, you could see kind of after the first water break, the, the board was coming in. They talked about an RT as well. The tactics board was coming in. They changed up a few things. The next thing, they just took control of the game in the second quarter of that game. But uh, where, I, where I thought they took control actually in that second quarter was the short passing of the Limerick backs was absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, as a coach and as kind of watching teams through the years, you'd be pulling their hair out what they were doing. But because they were doing these short, maybe seven, eight yards passes, you know, stick passes. Whereas if you were coaching the team, you'd be saying hand pass the ball, you know, to, to kind of cut out a mistake, maybe um, certainly at club level, um, you know, you're, you're kind of risking a higher risk by doing a, a short um, stick pass that range. But there was, there was one passage of play there where there was definitely four or five uh, short passes within, you know, a 20 yard uh, area. And next thing, there was a ball down into the corner. Flanagan got it and he had made his run. He waited, waited, made his run. And next thing, popped it over the bar. So uh, I, I think that that was really where the game was won, was at that first, that after that first water break, they readjusted, they kind of set themselves up. They got this into their head, this is where we're going to do it. We're not going to try and take the ball into tackle. We're going to, you know, three or four passes to get us out of trouble. And then we put the ball into, into space, into where our forwards and that that worked for them and never look back after that yeah absolutely i mean and they're used to the water break like they must probably be the best team across all codes of, of ga that use the water break because you know like john coyley and, and his tactics board like obviously he was was made famous for a little bit last year but it seems to be working and whatever himself and paul connor talk about on the on the sideline like during those water breaks I mean, like it just works absolute wonders. Like probably in terms of management, anyway, the best in game management that you know we've seen in the GEA this year and, and probably for years to come. Yeah, hundred percent. Kinnerick is just is unbelievable. Like he just he seems he seems sees things in a different light. He sees the problems, he identifies them, and next thing the problems are shut out. You know, and the problems were there in the first seventeen minutes, and then they were gone. You know, he he just seen them, and I, I you know Kylie maybe maybe. You could give him praise for that, but definitely, I think Kinrick is the man there. But you know, it just started winning battles as well over the over the place. People were talking about um, Waterford, you know, and the midfield battle maybe being being a, a key point in it. And you know, Darrow Donovan was was just unbelievable. Um, 
you know, Watford, I thought, never kind of didn't fire as much as 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 they should have really in the first in the first half, especially. Um, and they'll be disappointed with that in themselves, in their own in their own performance. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, because Jamie Barron obviously hitting two points and certainly probably didn't have the same influence in the in the Galway or, or Tipperary game that he did in the or or other way around, I should say. Um, and I suppose for 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 Limerick as well, like Tom Morrissey as well. I mean, he was absolutely brilliant as well, hitting four points. I mean, just quietly slotting points over the bar and definitely, you know, one of Limerick's brilliant servants over the past couple of years. And I think like the most impressive thing is they always just seem like they don't rely on like individual players they always just seem to chip in from from everywhere all across the pitch yeah and it's like that's the case of who's going to to turn up trumps today and if one of us doesn't show up the other five will show up to to kind of to mask over that performance you know and you know you talked about tom morris there um and i, th- I think he actually got five I, I think he got five from play possibly but i actually thought dan Morrissey was unbelievable back on the full back line as well he just seemed to he seemed to read the game in a different light and he was always kind of, you know, that step ahead when there was a bit of danger coming in. He read it excellently and he was kind of cut out a lot of attacks there. And maybe, you know, I, I don't think he actually got the credit on RT that he deserved because I, I just thought he was unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, I suppose the key, another key point then was the goal, you know, the Galan goal um, came from actually a Waterford sideline ball, which was kind of, wasn't taking great. It hit in field, cut out. Um, uh my name's gone for me now. Uh, Hegarty yeah. got, yeah, um, you know, soloed in, handed off to Galan, and Galan missed one. I think earlier on he wasn't going to hit over the bar, and you could see the, the hands going to the head, you know, that he knew himself he should have buried it, and he wasn't going to make the same mistake twice. Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable finish, and even Jeremy Burns as well at different stages, like racing forward from wing back, I thought was very impressive in the game, like, and Obviously, you know, Nicky Quaid at different stages making some huge saves. I know he made a bit of a blunder at the end and got away with it, but obviously that would have been meaningless if, if, if that had gone in. I think it was Austin Gleeson, I think, who put a wide. But, I mean, generally speaking, Nicky Quaid as well, like just he always seems to step up in these big games as well. You think back to Cork 2018, just making so many huge saves, like when, especially when Waterford were, they were coming hard for those goals. And, I mean, tremendous from, from Nicky Quaid. Yeah, like I, we we talked. I know people were talking yesterday about Owen Murphy and his performance, and possibly being the best in the business. But I definitely think Nicky Quaid is number one at the moment in the country. Like he's he just seems to bring a kind of calmness, and you know, even if they're true one and one, you'd put your money on him nearly stopping it. You know, um, his puckouts are excellent. Uh, he's just his general play, but as you said as well, there he's shot stopping the second to none, and you'd, you'd always fancy him, no matter who gets through or who gets in past that. Last line defence, you know, you have a top quality goalkeeper there to get you out of trouble if needs be. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable like throughout the game and he's he stepped up massively for, for Limerick over the past, you know, three or four years. I suppose he had the Peter Casey red card as well. Like, I'm not too sure if that would be rescinded or, or what the plan is, but what were your thoughts on that anyways? Yeah, like, it was kind of hard to see in that, but I, I can't see it being rescinded, to tell you the truth. Um, there's no kind of great camera to show exactly what it was but it does seem that he kind of moved ahead forward um in a kind of a headbutt action and you know if that's the case the referee got it right i know the referee didn't see it because he was jogging on to where the play was but he was obviously called by the linesman or by the umpire and told that there was a, a head action in it um and i i do think he got it right i think it was it was silly you know i watched it again a few times and there was a bit of kind of niggling after the ball was gone 
And Casey, you know, it's easy to very easy to do it in a match and someone's denying you that much. Maybe there's something said or you wouldn't know what was going on on the field there, but just turned that split second. And I'd say more than likely is going to cost them uh, an appearance in the All-Ireland final. Yeah, like it was it was a tough one to see with the angle, but I'd agree with you as well. I think like, you know, if you're gonna be doing that, like kind of launching your head out like that, I suppose you're you're leaving the referee with a decision to make. And you know, I know a lot of people were saying online maybe it was a bit of play acting and whatnot, but I think ultimately we didn't get to see the camera angle, so we just have to to judge it off the referee, I suppose. Um, yeah. obviously we we'd like I just we we had a, a great coach there a few years ago. And he used to always say to us, no matter what happens, no matter what kind of belt you get or abuse you take on the field, your first port of action is your shoulder. He says, you'll never see a lad getting sent off for driving a shoulder into a lad. So he says, you know, you'd be, you'd be tempted to throw the head. You might be tempted to hit with the hurl or swing with the hurl or whatever. But he got in and, you know, he, he even has a practice in training that if a lad was, was kind of sledging you and training, you could go at him with the shoulder and burst into him. And it was a great release because you do, in your head, you get that second, that split second of, you're doing this, you're going to pay for it. And, you know, it's very easy to, whether your hands are tied up, or your hurl is signed up, or your head, whatever, it's very easy to swing something and that split second and it could cost you. And it did cost Peter Casey, but, you know, I just think if, if that kind of, when I thought of it straight away, if, if, you know, the shoulder had to be used there, he would have got his belt away and he would have still been on the field and, He'd be looking forward to another final in two weeks as well. Yeah, I suppose a bit of dark arts there, I suppose, in, in terms of using the shoulder. But I mean, Limerick have, have certainly been very equivalent with the dark arts down the years, I suppose, in, in the past couple of years. I mean, you'd have to fancy them as massive favourites now going in against Cork. I know, obviously, we were touching on it there and saying, you know, how Cork will go in maybe as, as, as bonus territory. But generally speaking, like Limerick having won two of the last three All Ireland's three monsters in a row i mean they they are what essentially kilkenny were you know 10 15 years ago and it's very hard to see how any how, how anyone stops them at this point yeah definitely so and like i i think it'll it will take an unbelievable performance it'll take everything going in cork's favor it'll take maybe a mistake it might take a sending off from limerick it'll take something drastic for cork to win this game and you know i, I think if they were to play this game 10 times you could see Limerick win at nine out of ten times, but as I said, it may be just that that one time that that Cork will need for everything to all the ducks to line up in a row for him to pull this over. But I can't see it happening. I, I can see Limerick, as I said at the start, I can see them winning by six or seven points, maybe more, and and quite comfortably, um, in in two weeks' time. Mm. Is there any weaknesses in this Limerick team, do you think, that Cork could exploit or maybe anyone could exploit maybe next year? Because it's you are looking at it and it's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint what the, the weakness is. Maybe in discipline, I, I, I don't know. I was just I was just going to say that, that the dark arts may be the, the only way to stop them because, you know, and I suppose they got, they got lucky a few weeks ago as well because Galan probably should have been sent off. Um, was it again tip maybe? Yeah. Um a few weeks ago he pulled a stroke, he should have been sent off. Um there was another case there, maybe earlier on the year that they should have had another red and they got away with so you know, maybe this Peter Casey red is maybe karma kind of catching up with them, so to speak. But but like that, you know, when when a team is coming into a match, no matter whether it's not a final or a club match or whatever it is like that, and if you're you're huge underdogs, you need everything going your way. You need to annoy that team, you need to put them off their game, you can't let them into their stride. And, you know, I, I think Cork will need to do everything in their power, whether it's, it's legend or whether it's, 
it's hitting off the ball or pulling jerseys unknowns to the referee or whatever they'll need all the dark arts to pull this one off but as I said earlier I can't see it happening I you asked me for weaknesses in it and you know looking at the team and the bench that they have I just I can't see that that weakness in them um and that that was even verified for me the last day when I talked about the short passing in the backs like you know any other county any club team you see doing that there's if they did it seven times you can guarantee to make three or four mistakes maybe in it you know even if you're doing drills in hurling training you're, you can be nearly sure that'll break down once or twice with no one on you so to do that in an Ireland semi-final to perfection was just unbelievable and you know I think for that reason for the skill and the intensity and the kind of the cleverness of it as well um, I, I see Limerick doing it I seen a good video actually a few years ago um, about only about two years ago, I should say, but it was of Limerick say in twenty maybe seventeen compared to twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, and their distribution from the backs up to the forwards, and you know from from when twenty seventeen they were hitting it from maybe behind the forty five yard line, and the conversion rate was thirty percent up above. They changed that then up to I think it was something like sixty five percent from midfield back to the 45 has been delivered in there and the conversion rate has gone up to 55 or 60 percent from inside and so you, so you can see that happening that they work it out as far as they can and then when the the, the run is ready to be made then they'll deliver and just at that game the other day and i don't want to go on too much about it, but seamus flanagan like i would have actually loved to be at that game the other day because his movement must have been unbelievable obviously you could see it on the camera but you know for him the, the, the lads in the half back line were waiting, waiting. And next thing they'd pop the ball, but Flanagan seemed to be in five or six yards of space every time. But that doesn't just happen by chance. You know, he was waiting, he was waiting, he was going one way, he was going the other. And next thing he would make the burst. And as soon as he made the burst, that ball was delivered. And that's that's key to Limerick's game plan as well. Yeah, like he seems to be the extra man a, a lot of the time. Like he's, you know, even with the, the goal against Tipperary, like when I think it was Aaron Gland forced the save of Barry Hogan and then. Flanagan was there, like just to tap it in. He always seems to be that extra man in the in the open space. Um, and I suppose just obviously looking at Waterford just briefly in this game and kind of run through them. Like obviously, just I suppose fatigue, maybe considering they played, you know, four weekends in a row. Um, but I suppose considering where they were, like obviously when they played yourselves, Leash, I mean, looked like Leash were gonna turn them over at one point. So to come back, win that game, then be tip and Galway. Like he, it's it's still been a success for them, but I think maybe it is a case of just uh, you know the engine running out a bit. Yeah, like I I tell you true, I just don't know, I don't know what to make of this Warford team because I watched them very closely in the first game they played against Clare, and they were absolutely brutal. And Clare only beaten by three or four, I think, who should have beaten by you know ten or maybe fifteen points. They were that bad, and then they came on had a good performance the following week. Then. Sorry, they played. Sorry, they played Leash after that, and they were very poor as well. Leash nearly had them, had them um, up a stick as well, you know. And then a great performance after that. So definitely kind of Jekyll and Hyde uh, team. I don't know Liam Cal. I'm not sure whether he'll stay on or not. Tell you the truth. Um, while you know, you, you the point will be made that he got them to an All Ireland final and an All Ireland semi final. I don't know. There, there, for me, there's been too many kind of hit and misses with them and the consistency is not there with them and I, I think you could see a return there maybe Derek McGrath um, there could be a few others being lined up for to go back into that Watford job but I, I don't know if I could see Cal stay on for another year mm. 
Yeah, because I suppose there is rumours about him going to Tipperary. Do you think he could even maybe cross over to, to Tipperary considering the success he had there at, uh, at underla- underage level? I do, I do. I, I can see him, you know, and then again, I think that'll depend on Liam Sheedy and, you know, the reports going around that Sheedy has said to the county board that if he's taken, if, he, if he's taken the job again, it's not for next year, it's for three years because he needs to rebuild. So the county board have a decision to make there. Do they give him another three years or do they go with kind of, you know, a young, energetic, a younger, energetic manager in Liam Cal that's, you know, got Watford to where they are. Um, and you know you wouldn't blame them if they did take that take that pat and say thanks Liam for your service, but we're going to go a different route now. Um, but I can I can definitely see next year. I think there's going to be a huge merry-go-round of managers next year. You know you could see Davy heading up to Galway. You could see, uh, as I said, Derek McGrath could be going back to Warford. He might go to Wexford. You could see Eddie Breden slotting into Dublin there. I think there's going to be a huge kind of merry-go-round um, and lots of different different appointments next year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's going to be interesting as well because you've Shane O'Neill, obviously, with, with Galway as well. Could there be some potential changes there? Like, we, we don't know at this moment in time. And like what you were saying there with, with Waterford, like just three forwards scoring on the day. Like, obviously, Ozzy Gleason's been brilliant for, for Waterford this year and Desi Hutchinson is in Stephen Bennett, you know, both been very impressive. But it just seems that in these big moments, in these big games, a bit like last year as well, they just can't quite seem to to find that same form that they showed against Galway and Tip. Yeah, no, they, they can't seem to get it. Like, and, and again, go back to that consistency. Like, you know, we're talking about three forwards played well the other day. You know, the day beforehand, maybe a different three forwards played well. They, they can't seem to get them all clicking on the one day. I suppose the thing I would say, and uh, yeah, I've worked closely with Derek McGrath for the last year with the Leash Miners and that, and, you know, the, the way he speaks about Tyg de Burka is, you know, he, he speaks him on a different level. So, you know, to, to, I suppose for Warford to get to the other in semi-final and to put it up to Limerick for the time that they did, you know, you throw Tyg de Burka, who was questionably one of the best hurlers in the country, um, back into that team with Caleb Lyons coming on with a few more um, youngsters coming on through for Waterford there as well. You know, maybe... They could be a dark horse next year as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like definitely. I mean, like because they definitely have the the players. Obviously, we have Caleb Lines as well, who's who's looked exceptional at different stages for for Waterford. Obviously, didn't quite have the the same influence in the in the, in the Limerick game, but definitely one worth uh, keeping an eye on. I suppose on a side note from that, like in terms of you know your your best hurler of the year or you know your pick for for hurler of the year so far, like obviously there's a number of choices, and certainly we won't know until. The final is is finished really to make it a full conclusion. But who would you have kind of as a as someone that kind of springs out to mind or or at the top yeah. of the list anyway? As I mentioned earlier, already Seamus Flanagan, I think it's just he, he, like he reminds me actually of Callanan back in in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Maybe he just has that kind of you know if he shows up and if he wins that first ball, Limerick are just an animal and they they can't be taken off, you know. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, Tom Morris actually has been unbelievable. Um, Kyle Hayser with that goal he scored and the performance he's been putting in. I suppose it's all Limerick really that that I'm talking about so far. But um, yeah, Mark Coleman who'll be in there with a show as well. But definitely, I think it's be have to be probably one of the Limerick forwards to be talking about. And yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a tough one at this moment in time. I think before, anyway, I would have had Austin Gleeson as uh, as hurler of the year. And 
but and Jamie Barron maybe if he had gone on and produced a, a better performance against Limerick. But like what you said as well, like there's just so many options to choose from from a lot of the Limerick forwards. I think Keane Lynch probably deserves a a good mm-hmm. show as well. I thought he was very impressive in the in the Waterford game as well. Like and that's the thing with Limerick is that they don't just have you know one or two star players. It they remind me a lot of the of the dubs actually in football with the fact that if one player doesn't show up, they'll find someone else. They have these guys on the bench. Um, like they just have all sorts of options all over the place. Yeah, definitely so. And I think that's a good point you made about, about Jamie Barron there. Like Jamie Barron has had an unbelievable year. And I was actually reading an article in the Examiner there last week before before the game, um, for the Limerick Waterford game. And it was just talking about this midfield battle is going to be key. And you know, I'd said that Jamie Barron doesn't have bad games, he never misfires, you know. And then just just I suppose commentators curse, just as they say that. He does misfire and he does probably have the worst game of his year of his year this year. So I, I think that probably takes him out of contention um for a harder year. But he has been unbelievable. He's been a, a breath of fresh air actually to the midfield um of Waterford this year. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like and you seen like as soon as he came back into the team, like I think he came off the bench against Leash, I think. And then obviously mm-hmm. um in the two games as well against Galway and Tipperary, he was exce- it was exceptional, like and I mean, you know, even Patrick Horgan as well, I thought was brilliant in the Kilkenny game in the first half. And if Cork are to produce something incredible, I mean, there's a number of hurlers you could look at there, like obviously Patrick Horgan, Timo mahoney has been very impressive. Um, so, I mean, it would be an interesting one and I certainly wouldn't want to uh, be the one to make the decision anyways. Yeah, and like you wouldn't, you'd never take it away from Pat Horgan if he was to... To, to win the Ireland and to win Hurler of the Year, you know, he's been unbelievable for Cork. He's carried him there when they were really struggling. And, you know, you'd be delighted to see him lifting uh, Liam McCarthy in a few weeks. You wouldn't, unless you're a Limerick man, of course. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, like, who, who do you, who, what do you reckon then for the, for the All-Ireland final? Like, what would be your prediction? You're, you're sticking with Limerick anyways to, to be Cork? Yeah, sticking with Limerick to be Cork. As I said, barrenless something, all the ducks line up in a row and Cork, produce this unbelievable performance I think um, and as you touched on as well earlier you know I, I think this is bonus territory for them they're a very young team they'll be kind of building on this and you know this team you often hear it being said um, with, with kind of young teams it, ta- it takes losing in Ireland to win one you know and this could be the case for this Cork team that you know maybe next year or two years time could be their moment in the sun but Limerick being too strong at the moment and Cork being so young I can only see it going one way. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that one. I think, like at the moment, definitely Limerick of the season team, and you know, obviously, haven't gone and done it in 2018, 2020. They obviously had their mishap in, in 2019, so very hard to, to bet against them at the moment. But I mean, certainly Cork with the with the underage talent that they've coming through, like they'll certainly be there thereabouts for for many years to come. I'm sure. Anyways. But um, yeah, look, listen, cheers anyway, Damien. We'll wrap this up here anyways. And um, yeah, cheers for coming on. Good stuff. Thanks a minute, Aaron.